Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher, also known as the Food Healer, and today we're talking dog jobs, specifically dogs who help people with disabilities. My guest is Dale Picard. He and his wife, Lou, founded ECAD, or Educated Canines Assisting with Disabilities, 20 years ago. I adore the topic of working animals, and I'm dying to learn more, so I just want to dive in and get started. Hi, Dale. Thanks for coming on the show. Are you there? Yes, I am. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited about this topic. I've been looking for someone to talk to about it for quite a while now, so I'm thrilled to have you on today. How are you? Very good. Very good. Great. So let's just get started. And let's start off by, let's talk about ECAD. What exactly is your organization and what does it do? Our organization uh, uh, raises and trains dogs uh, uh, specifically to help people with disabilities. And so, how did you get this organization started? Well, it started back 20 years ago when uh, uh, Lou's father retired and, and two weeks later ended up in a hospital with a stroke. So when he came back home, he wasn't strong enough to get himself off the couch. And instead of hiring a nurse to help him, we'd train a dog to pull him up off the couch and get to his walker so he could move around the house during the day. And that's how we got the light, the, you know, the light lit uh, uh, to, for us to see that dogs could help assist people, and that got ECAD started. Nice. And so where do you get your dogs? We breed our own uh, stock. We have had our breeding lines for 17 years. Now wow. we have a line of Goldens and a line of uh, Labs that we breed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we breed about 30 to 40 puppies a year. Wow. And so I'm assuming you're using these these certain dogs because of temperament and intelligence, that sort of thing? Yes. Uh, uh, both lines were bred to please their master. They're hunting dogs, but uh, we've uh, bred the hunting out of the dogs and really domesticated them. So they, they really like to please their master. Uh, and, you know, we use the two different types of dogs. We have clients that are more disabled than others, which... You need a calmer dog, mm-hmm. easier going dog, which we're using the Golden Retriever. And we got uh, clients that like to travel around the country or around the world, so what they need a little bit stronger personality dog like a, a Labrador Retriever. Oh, cool. <clears throat> and so how long does it take you to train one of your dogs, and how old are they when you start? Uh, actually, we start right in the whelping box with our puppies at, wow. at three and four days old working with the puppies. There's wow. somebody in the whelping box at least uh, eight to ten hours a day with the uh, the puppies even though they can't see or hear mm-hmm. there's all sorts of uh, tests that we do to, b- to help build confidence in the dog or, uh, later on in life uh, in the whelping box and uh, and that just grows from there there uh, we start really uh, um, command training them like your heel and your sit at about eight weeks old and that's about two hours a day there for, for the next two years wow Yes. And so is every puppy that's born to you suitable to be um, an assistant dog, or do they have to pass certain tests in order to qualify? 
We keep the whole litter, so there's different, uh, over the years we've created different paths for our dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them you know, don't really like to uh, retrieve and work hard, but are really nurturing dogs mm. and uh, work very good in the therapy field. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have uh, uh, dogs that uh, are going to start working in courthouses, uh, helping uh, uh, victi- victims of uh, heinous crimes testify in court. Oh, wow. Um, we have dogs that work in rehab hospitals in Florida. We have seven dogs working in rehab hospitals in the cancer units, rehab units for the stroke and heart attack victims, and several different other units for the hospital. So therapy, the therapy field is also opening wide, very wide for very well-trained and very well-mannered dogs. And so the, the whole therapy thing of like dogs in hospitals, this is something that's relatively new, isn't it? Uh, we've been doing this for about the last seven or eight years with hospitals and nursing homes. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is relatively new. Not, uh, uh, service dogs in general is a relatively new field. It's less than 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And it's it's amazing to me just how quickly it's it's evolving, really. I mean, because, you know, we all knew about seeing eye dogs. That was pretty much the standard, you know, helpful dog kind of thing. But then it's like all this other stuff that you're talking about, a lot of it I've never heard of. So, like, for example, the dogs in the hospitals and, like, the cancer wards and things like that, what are they doing in there? Um, uh, a lot of the children don't want to come in, you know, or even mm. adults don't want to come in for their chemo treatments, but having the dog in there, sitting with them while they're getting their chemo treatment, uh, uh, it makes them want to come in more nice. and receive their, 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 their treatment. We have uh, dogs that ride with children on the gurney all the way to the operating room. Oh, wow. When they, and when they get to the door, the dog jumps off the bed, and then the child goes into the operating room. They say that the healing time on the incision itself is just unbelievably much better. The muscle is relaxed. It heals a lot better. The stitches don't even hardly show after time. Wow. So, so uh, uh, there's so many new fields popping up. You know, can't, dog doesn't detect cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, actually dogs we don't do uh, for um, uh, diabetics, but we have clients that are diabetic that have come for training, and their dogs started alerting them, so we just helped them progress that. So now the dog alerts them every time their blood sugar changes. Wow. But there's so many different fields opening up. It's just so, so great. This must be so exciting for you to see that what you started 20 years ago is evolving into this, like, incredible, incredible field. Yes, it's it's crazy. It's uh, overwhelming. <laughs> I've got goosebumps on my arms right now just talking to you about it. Good for you. I love that. You know, it's and it's so it's just for you too to be for what you're doing that you're making such huge changes in people's lives is really important too. I mean, I was a little kid. I got my tonsils taken out when I was 4. I wish I had a dog with me. My God, that would have been so much better than my stuffed animal. I mean, it was a scary thing. And I can't imagine how nerve-wracked kids that were going into chemo would be, you know? So if anything, that can help them stay calm. And adults, too. I still don't like doctors. So, you know. That's right. Yes. Any which way the animal can help, it should be utilized out there. Definitely. Definitely. And so, like, the dogs that are working in the hospitals and stuff, do they get stressed out by, by what they're doing? Or do you think they enjoy it? Yes, what we do is that we, we, tr- we go in and train so many people to work with the dog, mm-hmm. but one person is responsible for the dog. So when uh, they pick the dog up for their appointment, and when they bring a dog back, they uh, have to uh, report back uh, how the dog behaved. Nice. The person has to be able to read the dog body language. We have a uh, dog relief area where the dog can go, and uh, they just release the dog, and they 
toss the ball to get mm-hmm. the dog to run and de-stress like play areas for the dogs. Yeah. So, so that's something that we watch uh, very uh, closely because if uh, you stress out the dog too much, dog won't like to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> We like our dogs to like go to work. They, <laughs> they, they, they're part of us. <laughs> so uh, the dog's health is watched uh, for very carefully. That's fantastic. And are all your dogs taught the exact same things? E- excuse me? Are all your dogs taught the same tasks or all the same things? We try to teach the dogs the 89 commands that uh, uh, we teach. Wow. Each animal. Uh, you know, the, uh, we try to teach each dog to turn the light on. Uh, but if we don't successfully teach this one dog to turn a light on, it's what other avenues is there available for this dog? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is it something that you'd want to breed? Is it uh, assertive enough for that? Or is, is it something that uh, you want to put into therapy work? Uh, so, uh, uh, or in-house working dog. And you might not like the public, but you put the dog in a home, it'll work fine for somebody so that the family members can leave uh, the person home that's disabled and not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've actually had to train dogs to go and hit a 911 button on the wall. Wow. If, if their master passed out or if their master fell out of the wheelchair, and it happened a couple times, then the dog has to open the door. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, so, and let the people in and be inviting and not trying to be territorial and, and bite anybody that's trying to help his master. Wow. Uh, so yes, so it's a it's a big process. It's a slow process. It's a, a very expensive process, but the reward at the other end is you know there, there's no cost to to it. <laughs> it's like having those suits that they have now for our veterans coming back that help them walk. Yeah, 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 totally. Okay, it, it costs how many millions of dollars to, to make those suits, but they're worth every penny for that person that's wearing that suit at the moment. Absolutely. People feel the same way towards their dog when their dog wakes them up from a nightmare. Uh, the dog turns on the light in the middle of the night when they're in the nightmare and wakes them up. Wow. To there's nobody in the room. Wow. Uh, yes. So it's phenomenal uh, what we can teach them what to do. So what do you think is the wildest story that you've gotten back from one of your dog owners? The, uh, the, the what, what was that again? Like the, the wildest or most interesting story that you've gotten back from one of your dogs. Well, one of the scariest was told by a veteran uh, uh, where he was in the, the middle of a nightmare and couldn't get out of it. Mm. And, and the dog woke him up by licking him, and then he was so terrified he couldn't get out of bed. So he asked the dog to turn the light on. He asked the dog to t- open the door and go out into the building, and the dog went into other rooms just to prove to him there was nobody else wow. in the building and came back calm. The dog comes back calm, then they know there's nothing out there to be worried about. Wow. So that's that's the, probably the scare. It's the scariest. What you know, it, uh, you're saying wildest, but for us it's the scariest because the dog is the life support for these people. Yeah. Some of our clients are on ventilators at night, and they get rid of the nurse, and the dog is the warning whistle from that wakes them up when their uh, ventilator malfunctions. Mm-hmm. So those are the stories that we hear, the, the close call that they had, and the dog saved us. If it wasn't for the dog, we would not be here today. Wow. You know, uh, the dog saved our lives. I hear that so many times. That dog saved my life. Before I had a heart attack, the dog told me I needed to go to the hospital. I get there, the doctor says, yes, and, and I'm almost in a full-blown heart attack. Wow. The dog knew half hour, 45 minutes before it happened. And, and, you know, it doesn't happen with everybody. Some dogs are di- different. Some mm-hmm. dogs alert better than others. Mm-hmm. So the, the bond that the dog has with their master is what brings it out of the animal to do its best. So, and these people are very well bonded with their dogs. 
Dale, you're giving me goosebumps now. <laughs> now I'm the one over here like, holy cow. <laughs> So let's say you have a client who needs a dog. So how does the process work? Do they come and find, like, meet a bunch of dogs, or there's a specific? Uh, well, they have to fill out an application. They, so they have to go on our website and fill out an application. Everything's done electronically now. Nice. Uh, 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 we're just too big to handle uh, uh, an application here or there. Mm-hmm. So it's all done electronically. They fill out part, and it's a couple-part process. When the part one of the application comes to us, uh, we see, uh, we read what the, they, ha- they tell us, and we see if we can uh, help them out with a dog. Mm-hmm. If we think we can, then we invite them in for an interview, and then there they come in with part two of the application, and they come for an interview. Uh, that's a couple-hour process at the training center, mm-hmm. and, and while we're talking to them and getting to know them, then we're letting different dogs out for what they're, they're, the type of disability they have, mm-hmm. see how the dog's going to gravitate to them, and, and uh, how they gravitate to the dog. Some yeah. people say they want a dog, but they, they won't even touch the dog. You're going, well, you really have to bond with this dog. Yeah, you don't totally. touch the dog, this ain't going to work. <laughs> and so, so, and a lot of people have never even had an animal in their life. Oh, wow. They were born with a disability, and it would have been just too much for the household to have another being to feed. Mm-hmm. So they've never had an animal. So, didn't, so we have to teach them about what a dog is and putting a dog on a schedule so the, the teaching process is, uh, um, takes 13 days. Uh, they have to come to us and uh, take classes for 13 days straight, and mm-hmm. then we send them home with homework. And it's about putting your dog on a schedule and you maintaining that dog's schedule so the dog can have a, you know, know, have a peace of mind that they have a schedule and they have a being mm-hmm. in a place, and, uh, and it keeps them from... The dog started to toilet in the house because they forgot out there was a yeah. eight, eight hours ago uh, uh, they, they let the dog out and they haven't let the dog out since. So uh, it, it's all a learning pro- a process for them, but the outcome when they put in the time is just beautiful. Oh, this is so cool. Dale, you've set us up perfectly to take a commercial break. So just hang on. I'm talking to Dale Picard of ECAD. We'll be back in about a minute and a half, two minutes. listening to Balloons by Jack Inslee. This is Animal Instinct on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. there. It's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets. White Leghorn, Red Wattle, Bourbon Red, Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. 
You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's Heritage Turkey, Japanese Steaks, Berkshire Pork, or Navajo Churro Lamb Chops is the righteous kind. From healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts. It's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at HeritageFoodsUSA.com for more information. We are back. I'm talking to Dale Picard, founder of Educated Canines Assisting with Disabilities. So, Dale, I want to ask you, what age range of human beings can really benefit from your dogs the most? Which way they benefit the most? Yeah, like can little kids do well with these dogs, or do you have to be an adult in order to really thrive with a dog? No, we place dogs as young uh, uh, as three years old with children with autism. Wow. Uh, we, we believe that uh, uh, placing a dog with a child, a well-trained dog with a child with autism at three or four years old is the best because a lot of times that's where they really revert into their dark shell and, and never come back out. Mm. If we can put a dog in the family to where the dog is the conduit in between the adult and the child, then it, uh, it just relaxes a lot of the stress that comes out of having a child that is autistic and I mean this this, this way. Mm-hmm. The person communicates to the child through the dog, mm-hmm. whether they're in the home or on the outside environment, and then the dog, the, the child will react better if he thinks it's coming out of the, the dog versus, versus the parent. The dog keeps the child calm at home or outside in public, so... Uh, um, the dog is more. Uh, the child is more apt to listen to the dog, and and and, and use the commands that the parent is using. Uh-huh. So, so the child starts repeating the commands that he sees the parent working through the dog with, and uh, what happens is the child child stays more articulate. Wow. Heal, and it prevents him from sliding into that dark dark area, and then nice. eventually the dog becomes a hundred percent bonded with the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we teach the parents to stay away, um, not praise the dog a lot and have the reward come from the child as the child is growing up and more and more through the child. Mm. So when the child is fully bonded with that dog, that dog is sleeping with the child, that dog is spending the whole day with the child, it keeps the child calm, but the child wants to interact with the dog, so he has to learn the commands for the dog to, to operate. Right, so, right. So he wants to learn those words real fast, so he keeps him talking and more articulate now if there's less stress negative stress coming off the parents towards the child for the child giving poor behavior then they don't seem to go into that dark hole as deep Hmm. and and then by like we've got dogs that are now been now with seven years with autistic children and these parents are just so happy they they truly believe that their child would not have flourished in the social areas of life as they have wow. if they were, did not have had the dog. You know, it's, it's crazy when you have to, you, the parent comes in and takes 13, 10 days of training 
on day 11, you tell the parent, okay, now we, now we take you, the child, and the dog into public, and they say, oh, no, you're not taking me in public, my child, because they just go off the wall, they mm-hmm. start screaming, we get totally embarrassed, and, and try to explain to them, you won't see that. Yeah with the dog and then finally you get to the mall and then they come back home at the end of the day and they're crying they can't believe that they went to the mall it's the first time they went to the mall and actually had a good time as a family wow so 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 the calming effect of the dog the child wanting to participate with the dog just really changes that whole atmosphere around for for a positive uh, which is what everybody's looking for a better life right <laughs> that's just amazing i mean it's it's i i know i keep seeing wow with this interview but i truly am just fascinated by what you guys do and i mean i'm still stuck on the fact that they learn 89 commands i mean i don't know if i know 89 commands to be honest <laughs> with you <laughs> Yeah, we can even get them to uh, pull a refrigerator door open and grab you a, a soda bottle, plastic soda bottle out of the refrigerator, give it to you, wow. food in a Ziploc bag, or pull a, a front loader a, a washing machine door open for you and pull the clothes out and give it to you so you can get throw it in the dryer. Okay, how do I get one of these dogs? I could use this help. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it, all, it all depends on our clients. Some of our clients say, well, we don't need the dog to do that in the washing machine, but I've got some clients with muscular dystrophy and mm-hmm. MS mm-hmm. that really need that kind of help. We, we deal uh, with a lot of the uh, highest forms of disabilities there is out there. A lot of the clients that come to us is, uh, come from other programs telling them to come to us because they can't train to that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can, but it's just too costly yeah so, so they stay away from this type of training that we do they stay to a cookie cutter dog mm-hmm. so we try to critique our training to each client that comes in so when you have a team training you got four clients coming in you need at least six seven fully trained dogs right for the four different personalities that you have so you're you're assured a match once you've figured out the match and then the training really starts and mm-hmm. the bonding process really starts so and then you just got 13 days of that to go. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, it's really, it seems quick, you know. I love that you can get all this information across in 13 days. Uh, well, we've been doing it for a long time, right? We've, exactly. Been, we've placed out, this is our 20th anniversary year. Yay. Uh, and uh, we've placed out over 250 dogs in our 20 years. Wow. Um, we maintain about 160 clients uh, consistently uh, having our service dog. Some of our clients have passed away over time, and really it, it would be more closer to 250 if mm-hmm. we didn't have our clients passing away because people with disabilities don't have yeah. a, a longevity. Not all of them, but a lot of them don't have a lot of longevity in life. Muscular dystrophy is 35, 40 years old. Wow. Uh, uh, MS, depending on what time of, li- uh, of your life it hits you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, disabilities are not nice. Yeah. Not nice to a, a person. <laughs> They're really not. And it's, you know, depending on how quick it hits. I'm assuming that you guys have a very long wait list for dogs. Uh, it's, uh, we have a two-year wait list uh, uh, presently, mm-hmm. uh, and we control that. It would be longer if we just let uh, the door open. We close our uh, application process from time to time. Mm-hmm. It just gets too overwhelming, yeah, uh, uh, the amount of people that uh, are looking for service dogs. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And so, okay, let's say that someone has a service dog and they have whatever it is, and sadly they pass on. Does the family keep that dog, or what happens to that dog? Uh, 
it depends. Most most of the families have kept the dog. Uh, the dog is now uh, we, we the dog's two years old before we place it out. Mm. Then the dog is with them a couple three years. Uh, now the dog is five and six years old. Mm-hmm. Now I don't really want to place out a dog at that age with somebody with a disability. They need longevity. Mm-hmm. They'll just have time to bond with the dog, and then the the dog will be eight or nine years old, and then. You're you're going downhill, so uh, mm-hmm. we don't even like to place our dogs out. We don't even place our dogs out if they have any cataracts or any uh, mm-hmm. uh, inclination of cataracts or hip dysplasia. Uh, our dog's uh, uh, structure has to be totally sound yeah. to be a service. That's our first priority because you know, a client will just wonder if they know they've been placed with a dog that has a potential for cataracts. It's the next ten years worrying if that dog's going to have cataracts. Yeah. They can't take their mind off of it. So this way here, at least they know that they have a sound bloodline and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it should carry them. Well, it's not to say that we have a percentage of dogs that uh, die from cancer. We yeah. have a couple, one or two a year out of the 30-something dogs that we breed that uh, die from cancer. Um, uh, cataracts, none. Hip dysplasia, none. Wow. Uh, yes. Uh, so our lines are very, very clean. Uh, and uh, that's that's we, amazing i mean yeah. no hip dysplasia that you should be very proud of yourselves that's incredible yeah and, and actually uh, thank you i have a lab here at the house right now she'll be um, 15 years old mm-hmm. may tw- may 20th <laughs> oh, <laughs> and she's yay. still walking wow yes and she's had 27 puppies wow so, what a good yes. girl so so she's still 15 years old and her kids uh, most of her kids are still alive wow Yes, so so we have very good luck with our with our bloodline. You really do. You guys are doing an awful lot right because that's amazing. And so, how long do these dogs normally work for? How many years can you get on the average out of one of your dogs? Uh, they work with the client until the the dog passes away. The client will not give up the dog. We could be rude and say, "No, we'll just take a dog away from you and give you another one." Yeah, but. Uh, 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 that doesn't help matters. So we just let them hold on to the dog. Actually, I have one that we're placing right now. Her dog is still alive, but really too old to work. The dog is 13 years old. Mm. And you can tell the dog is... But she's going to keep the dog. And if uh, it can't get along with her new dog, then her parents have offered to take the, the other one over. So each situation, each person is different. Yeah. Whichever way they want to handle their situation is typically the way we want to handle it also. So then you're basically in touch with these dogs for their lifespan. You don't kind of just yes, give them off. That we, the, the client is with us for life after they've received their first service dog, especially if they're going to be getting a second one and a third one. I have clients that are on their third service dog. Wow. Uh, um, uh, yeah, one of them, uh, yeah, I have two clients on their third service dog. Uh, dogs died from Lyme disease mm. prematurely. Their second dog died of Lyme disease prematurely, which had nothing to do with our line. Yeah. So, but they're back for their third dog. They won't go anywhere else. Once they've received one of our dogs and seen how they behave compared to everybody else's dog out there, they're more than happy to come back and help us with our program. <laughs> That's great. So, so I can really brag about the quality of our, uh, of our dogs. Well, I have to tell you that I interviewed Edward Martin of the Hartsdale Pet Cemetery, where I know you're going to be speaking, I think, in a month. I'm not sure when you're going to yes. be there. Yep. 
But when he heard that you were going to be on the show, he was absolutely thrilled and just had wonderful, wonderful things to say about you. So, and Eddie's, Eddie's tough. So if Eddie's behind you this far, I mean, I'm a big fan. Well, you're doing a lot right. And I'm so happy to have taken this bit of time and been able to speak to you about this. I mean, I've learned a ton already, and we've only been talking for about 30 minutes. Uh, time replies when you're having fun. Yeah, right? I mean, this has been great. <laughs> so what is something that, what do you think is the most amazing thing about what you and Lou have accomplished? Is uh, the growth that we were able to bring this organization to mm-hmm. uh, from the day we started in a two-car garage in 1995 to the two offices we hold in two different states. Wow. Now we have a New York training site, and we have a Connecticut training site, and having 14 employees, I think, wow. uh, is the thing that marvels me the most. That's awesome. That's really amazing. And you guys are a nonprofit as well, so I mean... Yes, uh, we're not in, an endowed not, uh, nonprofit, so that mm-hmm. means that we don't have any money ahead of ourselves. We create a budget, and we raise every penny to cover the cost of that budget during the year with the help of our clients and, and donors around the area. Amazing. Amazing. And what is something that you would like our listeners to know? Is there anything that you've ever thought about where it's like, I just wish the general public knew this kind of thing about animals working with disabled people? Uh, I guess the client would probably like everybody to know that uh, their animal is their, their personal device that mm-hmm. they use in their disability. And they would appreciate it if people would ask before reaching out and, mm. and touching their dog or tossing food at their dog or getting uh, overstimulated next to the dog just to stay calm and ask for permission before greeting the dog, I think would be the biggest thing that uh, we'd want the public to know. I think that's fantastic advice. Definitely. Well, where can you tell us or where can we find out more about you and your organization? Um, I, want, I know people are going to be curious, so if you can give us your websites, your Facebook page, all that good stuff. Uh, our website is ecad1.org, and if they scroll on there, they'll find a, a little uh, a golden retriever holding a purse that says, if you want to donate, <laughs> hit this button. Perfect. You can help us that way by donating. Uh, we're on uh, www.facebook.com slash ecad service dogs. Okay. It's another place you can get a hold of us. Uh, or uh, we're available by email. People can email me uh, directly if they have any questions. I'm more than happy to speak to anybody that would like to uh, get involved with our program uh, uh, in any, any area. Beautiful. I mean, thank you so much. And, Dale, thank you so much for everything you do and taking the time. I mean, you guys must be crazy busy with everything you're doing over there. So thank you and thank Lou for what you've created and have been able to help, you know, You've gotten out 250 dogs, but I can't even imagine how many thousands of people's lives those dogs have affected. So, Yes, yes. Big numbers. Oh, you made me all warm and fuzzy today. Thank you so much. I love stories like this. Yeah, you're welcome. And everybody else, we will have a new show next week. So we will be back then. Take care, and I will talk to you later. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio 
You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.